All right, my dear podcasters and podcasterettes, we need to talk. I have been thinking incessantly about this Joe Rogan versus New America versus Spotify. Well, maybe not versus Spotify (laughs) versus the White House matter. And um, most people don't give a shit about stuff like this, but I do. And the reason I give a shit about stuff like this is because I'm aware of the impact it has literally on our evolution as a country and even furthermore as an entire species because America is very much in that position where we dominate the news cycle. We dominate culture. Our culture is the one that is most proliferated throughout the world and therefore will perpetuate into the future as long as we still maintain that position. So when it comes down to the nuances of what is really going on here, I'm paying very close attention. Meanwhile, Joe Rogan is having a dessert that's on fire <laughs> with uh, the intellectual dark web. If you don't know who, the, who they are, we'll, we'll get to that uh, in a minute here. And he's on mushrooms and he's high with all of the controversy that's going on right now. So from my perspective, talk about what a extremely aware, self-aware human being and so plugged in to be able to escape this noise, maintain that level of composure and groundedness, and meet up with the homies that have basically been the reason that we've all been able to evolve, at least us that listen to Joe Rogan, we've all been able to evolve our thinking to accept that life is gray and nuanced, and it requires a very (laughs) um, hardworking mind to be able to differentiate fact from fiction. This shit is crazy. Everything that's going on is absolutely nuts. And to be able to really dissect that properly with a sharp mind, like a true rationalist, it takes hard work because the easier thing to do is to take that surface level matter, accept it and quickly move on. And we are waking up to this. We've watched our entire, like, again, I say species, I know it sounds like I'm talking in such grandiose terms, but we've watched humanity wake up over the last few years in an in an absolutely crazy way at an exponential rate. And everything is shifting. Everything about our lives is shifting. The way we work, the way we love, the way we play, the way we fuck. I mean, literally, I'm, I'm, I'm being funny, but I'm not. Like, everything has changed about the way people live. And so... Joe Rogan represents something, something incredibly sacred. Joe Rogan represents the ability for a human being to think for themselves. Now, this is something that fundamentally at the root is not a right or wrong matter. And that's what I want to discuss. I don't, I don't mean that people that don't think for themselves are bad people or that they're on the wrong side of history by, by any stretch of the imagination. That's not what I'm saying. And I'll get to unpacking this, but here's what I think is really important. First of all, we need to talk, we need to dissect this, and that's what I want to do here with you in real time and get to the root of the matter. So is this ultimately about COVID and a couple doctors that have been on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast that have controversial contrarian views that are not in line with the narrative of the White House? Is that what's going on here? Do we need to get to the root of that matter? Is this about free speech? 
and controlling that narrative and really dissecting where and in what areas, especially in a virtual world that now dominates our physical reality, where is free speech allowed? Where do we draw the lines? Who's in control of that? Are these media outlets, are these platforms, I should say, also publishers? Platforms like Spotify, platforms like Instagram, are they publishers? Do they need to have an editor-in-chief that examines what they should and should not say? Is that onus of responsibility ultimately on them? Maybe. This is, a, this is an ongoing discussion. Is this about racism? Is this about a guy who's been putting his life out there for the last 12 years just in the form of a podcast, another 10 years before that as being the fucking crazy fear factor guy, constantly just being himself and has developed this relationship with this audience that is basically the world now, mostly America, and America has fallen in love with this character, not everybody, but a lot of people, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people. Why? Because he's out there being himself. He's showing the full spectrum of who he is, a guy who like can get high, smoke some weed, or even do some fucking DMT or mushrooms, and then over here, you know, go and get a crazy workout in and commentate on the UFC, and then on this other side of it, go, you know, bow hunting and talking about his life hacks and his sauna sessions. I mean, you're getting the full spectrum of this individual. You're seeing what he's like when he makes a mistake and how he responds to those mistakes, which in my opinion, he does so incredibly maturely. So is it about racism? Is this guy racist? Is this moment in time? Is this our opportunity as a society to eradicate racism? Is that what we're supposed to do is go and look at everything that everyone has ever said and pull out all the bullshit and all the, the racial slurs and all the you know insulting things? And do we all need to turn into police? And we need to go out and say, shame on you and, and, and lock people up into cancel culture? Maybe then if we do that, are we concerned about it coming after us and biting us in the ass because we've, we're all human beings? And if we're going to commit to a surveillance culture that is both past and future, is that a little dangerous? I don't know. I think it is. So, but, but the point of the matter, is he a racist? Like what's going on here? Is he, is he doing things that most people haven't done or said? I mean, is there a reality that life was different in the nineties, even in the two thousands, like just a little over 10 years ago, was it okay to talk? like that? Could you get away with that? Also, what is the role of a comedian? Like when he said, I'm entertaining, is that okay? Was he more in the mindset of a comedian? And if so, where is the line? How, who defines these lines? These are the clear questions. These are the things that we as a society are in real time constantly figuring out. And that's why it's a constant clusterfuck. But here's the beautiful meta awareness and observation to have. Joe Rogan, as a human being, is a meta example of what it looks like to live in that swirling, gray, gooey chaos, which I call being a radical moderate, you know, crushing purple pills, not red ones, not blue ones, purple ones that sit right in the intersection of these ideas. Joe Rogan is a beacon of truth, ultimately, not as a person, but what the platform represents. I'm not simping here. I'm telling you a fact. This platform represents something that is far beyond any one person. It represents our 
human beings ability to hold two truths at the same time, to hold the opposites, if you will, like Carl Jung famously said, to know that you can hold both this and that one in each hand, to know that two things can be simultaneously true. And that the only way to get to a fundamental truth is not to give up and say all truth is just subjective and there's nothing in life other than this nihilistic perspective that I have and we're all right. No, no, no. We're not saying we're all right here. We're saying we have to parse through the truth. We have to chop it, chop it up in that little gray area where we're holding both things and we have to be willing to examine the truth of each facet. I wish that I could say, guys, I wanna just create this video and it's so easy. Let me just give you the boom, quick answer of what's really going on here. But that's not it. That's not it. We are maturing, we are becoming more intellectual, we are becoming more intelligent in general, and we are becoming more, we're, we're building our resolve. Human beings are getting stronger and their ability to dissect the truth, even when it's inconvenient, even when it hurts, even when it actually damages the self. This is the most beautiful opportunity. This is the craziest part about all this. The truth that is actually true within this space of what we're all trying to identify in real time with Joe Rogan as this representation of this space where we're all trying to figure this out, what it represents is our ability to go into that nuance and be wrong ourselves. In other words, what I'm saying is that if something is true and it hurts your perspective, like for example, if you have to admit to yourself that you've been a racist before in order to move forward, in order to move the conversation forward, in order to change the narrative and go to the fundamental truth of all things, if I hear Armand have to sit and say, I have been racist in my life, and then I have to sit there and say, why? Is that innate or is that taught and learned? And then I realized some of it does feel innate and tribal. And like, I'm just born in this way where I see the differences on the surface level. And then they're exacerbated by society and the media and the news. And then I learn these things, but huh, maybe some of it is innate. I don't know, but my willingness to examine that and not just point the finger at Joe Rogan and other people who've been racist, but to look at myself and say what's really going on here, that's the good stuff. That's where we're ultimately going. So then the next question becomes, is this about politics? Is this about red versus blue? I think we all know it's not. And I think that we realize that politics has only been, again, exacerbated by the media, the new media, which is social media, which is a media in which we have access to more information than ever before, as we all know. But what has that resulted in? What has that exponential increase in information and the access to it resulted in. It's resulted in people who have uh, changed their temperament, become more angry overall. It's really ultimately caused a chemical imbalance in a lot of people where there's mood disorders and there's more people that are suffering from depression and anxiety than ever before as well. So what does that mean? That means that everyone's a little more pissed off and sad and gloomy and lack self-confidence and looking for tribes. And so what happens is these two things, just that polarity just gets more and more extreme. And then we have these figures that come into society, these populists that take advantage of that. And then what do they do? They they build on that. They throw a fire on that. They take advantage of that to win your vote. Because the only way to win your vote is to go more and more extreme, to get your attention. Holy fuck, right? <laughs> so you're sitting here going like, oh my God, look at the game that I've fallen into. But what is this game ultimately? What is it really? 
I believe I talk about this often on my podcast on flow. I talk about this in life in general with my friends. I believe that really what we have here is an ideological battle. So what does that mean? You see, at the end of the day, what's really happening here is a question and a war around personal preference. That personal preference being one of saying, should power be given to authority? In other words, authoritarianism, or should power be given to the individual? In other words, libertarianism. And these are both constructs, but also mindsets. These are things that we learn because of the societies and the countries and the governments that we're born into. But also, very interestingly, these are personality traits. These are ultimately things that we have innately. And my preference, for example, is one where I believe that human beings should be left up to their own devices to figure things out for themselves and that society will be a happier, safer, healthier place if the onus and the responsibility is on the individual, not given to the power that is above us and that power that exists, the government that exists is absolutely necessary, but it's there for specific purposes, specific powers that need to be there in order to make society operate, in order to make sure laws are upheld, that we don't kill each other, that there's roads to drive on. But beyond that, we need to limit the role of government in our lives. Okay, great. What does that sound like? That sounds like you're going to try and put that idea into a bucket. Ultimately, I would call that being a moderate or in this case, like when you're looking at the political compass, uh, we're talking about an idea of libertarianism. But at the end of the day, so much of my beliefs are driven by my personality. There are people that would prefer to have the power be in the hands of others because it's easier for them, because they don't have to sit and think through what is my belief on each of these topics. It'd be easier to say, I vote for you to represent me and I'm gonna put you in power so that you can make the decisions that are for my best and the best of others. But then we go back to where we started this conversation. <laughs> And we go to things like COVID and we see that what we have is a power that is in control, that we've given that power up to these people, these elected officials to say, you politicians, please, powers that be, make the decisions around COVID, around this pandemic to tell us what is best. Tell us what to do. Should we take the vaccine? Do I need a jab? Do I need a, a fucking, is this a two-week thing? Is this a two-year thing? Do I need to stay away from these people or that people? Who do I need to protect? What do I need to do? We're constantly waiting to be told what's next. But the reality is, again, even the people that have this personality type are fed up at this point. This has lasted over two years. People are getting tired of it. And interestingly enough, which I found very fascinating, is that a lot of these like, conspiracy theories, which are perpetuated at times, almost turned it actually very clearly turned out to be like accurate assessments of what was going on. Not every single one, because there's like a million of them, but so many of these conspiracy theories that were, you know, shoved under the rug and were called crazy ideas by the powers that be ended up being Correct. This video, this podcast is not the time for us to sit and dissect each one of those. But the point is that overall people are shifting and they're changing their beliefs around all this. At the end of the day, though, we're talking about personality. And my belief on this is this. This chaos that we see today, this polarity that we always talk about, I don't think this is going to go away. I think it's ultimately something that we need to get used to that we need to adapt to, that we need to understand so that we can 
go from this place of, again, as Jung would describe it, it's almost like we're in a collective complex. When an individual is in a complex, it means they're triggered by something. You know, this common phrase of being triggered. And what happens when an individual goes into a complex is they become their absolute worst self. It's when something hits you that was a trauma in your younger years in particular. And then that causes you to become a child again and you start behaving like a child. And what you see is society in a collective complex. And I think that that's due to many of the things that we've already talked about, especially the social media aspect and the information overload. And so what we have is this constant, jarring, increasing polarity. And next thing you know, we're becoming more aware of the fact that this exists. And I think we're all hoping that there's a swing of the pendulum back to a more calm time. But I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that we're becoming aware of a reality that exists at a fundamental place in human existence, which is that we all see the world differently. We all have different preferences and we better get used to it. And that really the right way here ultimately is to meet in that space in the messy middle and figure it out together. Otherwise, I really fear that uh, things are only going to get worse and worse and worse. So let's close off by wrapping with a couple things here, specifically about Joe Rogan. When Joe Rogan signed with Spotify, I made another episode, another video where I talked about this and I was very concerned. And I said we needed to support Joe Rogan. I think what I really hadn't thought about was at the time is that Joe Rogan is 100% aware of what he got himself into. Joe Rogan knows that he said the N-word on his podcast many times. He's very aware of that. He knows the controversial nature of the things he's talked about. And he knows that of all people, he has said some crazy ass shit because he gets high and drunk often on the show. So he knows that. And he knows he's been on air for 12 years and there's like a thousand plus episodes and that this was going to happen. And what I think is that I miss that. And what he did ultimately by signing with Spotify is that he put himself even further into the mainstream. Now, I don't know if that means the listenership actually went up by being exclusive with Spotify. And you could argue that from a business perspective, maybe it would have been smarter for him to actually stay independent. You could argue that from a rights and control of these rights of what he's talking about perspective, that it would have been smarter for him to stay independent. And these were some of my concerns. But I think really what's happening here, and again, now we're down to the place in the <laughs> video where I'm just guessing and having fun with it. But I think ultimately what happened is he became more popular. He became even more mainstream. I think that's sure for sure a thing. He hasn't been in the news at this level that he is today before. He's become an even more sort of controversial, you know, air quotes figure, which is basically just anyone who doesn't follow the narrative and the mainstream. And by doing so, his ideas are now at the forefront of the conversation. So the power to be able to bring on someone like a Dr. Malone or like any of these people in the intellectual dark web and have a conversation with them is incredibly powerful. Brav fucking O. Oh. <laughs> and here we are today where the controversy, con the controversy has really stirred. The cancel culture mob is here and they're not going to give up. They started with COVID and then they switched over to creating, you know, this racism campaign. And if Joe Rogan gives an apology, which I think he gave a very mature one, a very tactically mature one, where he really owned the parts he needed to own, 
uh, it's not going to go away because they're not going to be satisfied because then the, you know, again, without getting into the details, oh, the way you apologized is the problem. And I think that people that have been canceled have learned that if they bow down to the mob in general, they don't end up coming back. And the only ones that tend to survive are the only ones that own their shit and they don't apologize to the mob and they don't let it uh, ultimately bend them and knock them down because what is a mob doing? They're basically trying to say, look, here's all this information of all the shit that you've done and we're going to inundate you with it until you say, yep, you're right. It's not worth it. I'm just going to silence myself because anything I say from this moment forward, I'm going to get crucified for. And ultimately it kind of ends in that. It's It's a form of like, it's like a metaphorical crucifixion. So it's not worth it for most people. But Joe Rogan, I think is playing it very well. And, uh, I think he's ultimately not cancelable. And the reason is, is because he's spent thousands of hours rehearsing and preparing for this very moment. Because Joe Rogan is essentially that space in the middle. He has interviewed people on the right, people on the left, and even on the most extreme ends of that aisle. He's been exposed to scientists, evolutionary biologists, uh, people that are just experts in spirituality and psychedelics. He's been exposed to everything under the sun. I mean, you could argue that Joe Rogan has like the the equivalent of like two PhDs under his belt at this point, because not only is he listening, but he's proposing his own arguments. He's asking his own questions. Like this is the ultimate fucking PhD. Nobody in the world has access to the brightest minds more than Joe Rogan. And he's gotten to talk to them. And he seems to want to continue to do this. So he's in a position where he has gathered the tools to listen to uh, a Sam Harris or a Jordan Peterson or a Rhonda Patrick or or a Sanjay Gupta and piece it all together and say, what do I now think? That is what he represents. This is the example of what it represents. And we all can't be Joe Rogan, but we can emulate him. And that's why crazy fucking people get tattoos of Joe Rogan on their bodies because that's what he represents. He represents the pursuit of the good life and truth. And that is what people love. And now here he is, as I mentioned, having dinner with the intellectual dark web, which if you don't know is Joe Rogan, Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson, Eric Weinstein, Rick Rubin. And I'm sorry if I'm missing anybody. Um, And they're living it up and they're being there for each other, knowing that this moment was coming and knowing that the big dog, the one with the biggest platform right now has the light shining on him and they need to get together and talk and strategize, but mostly just celebrate that the conversation is moving in the right direction. I think that's where you're, where we're at. And, uh, I really would welcome your thoughts. I would love to have this conversation. I fucking love this stuff. So please join me in the conversation. All right. Until next time. Much love. Peace.